You are listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. There are a lot of exciting things going on at Collective as the new year begins, so make sure you are following us on social media at My Collective Church to stay in the loop. Now here's Sunday's message. Good morning. My name is Chris Wells. I'm a volunteer here at Collective. Specifically, I am the tech coordinator here at Collective. Usually I'm in the back uh, behind the soundboard. Shout out to the tech team back there. Um, Yeah. They're in charge every week of helping create this amazing space that we get to worship in. Pastor Michael and his family are out of town this week, taking a little vacation, some much needed family time this week. Um, which shout out to his, him and his staff for a second. Um, the, for about the last six months, they have just been grinding. Uh, and, and it's been really awesome to watch as Collective has grown and grown. We've had record attendances uh, for Christmas this year. We had over 1,100 people show up uh, to hear about the good news that brings great joy, which led to great joy for a lot of us as we got to watch Michael do the gritty up on stage. Right Then there was the, the renovation of this incredible new space that we're in now. Uh, Michael shared the data a couple weeks ago, but Collective is honestly like going hard into 2024. Like We basically got to the high 400s as a church, then you all invited and invited and invited, and we basically skipped being a church of 500 and went straight to being a church of 600. So God is doing some really incredible things here right now, and it's awesome to be a part of. So with all that, as I said, Michael and Ray and their girls are getting some much-needed family time this week. So if you're new here, I want to encourage you to come back. Michael will be back next week, continuing in our series, and you definitely want to be here and meet him. Now, I'm not going to lie. When Pastor Michael, a couple months ago, he asked me uh, to speak this weekend, uh, first thing I did, I looked at the calendar, right? I saw the date was, was February 18th, and I realized, wait a second, that's the week after the Super Bowl, Right? And back at that time, my Ravens were looking pretty good, right? They were doing pretty awesome. So I I was ready, especially after all the smack talk that that Michael and CT constantly do up here about the Ravens. So I was going to be decked out, right? I was going to have my Lamar jersey on. I had had the purple camo pants. I was going all out for this. But (sighs) that didn't happen. Oh, you know, it's baseball season now. Pitchers and catchers reported. So who's ready? Who's ready for baseball season, right? Yeah, go O's. I'm ready. So we're in week two of our series called God and Work. And last week, Michael kicked it off by teaching us how, how work is a gift. And that's hard, right? That's hard because sometimes work just feels like the last thing we want to do, right? You wake up on a Monday and you're like, no, I'm not ready for this. But all the way back in the beginning, God created work so that we could join with him in creating something great out of creation. God created the world, and then he gave us as humans dominion over it so that we could continue his work here. Because work is a gift, not a curse. And this week, Pastor Michael asked me to speak because, because I, I have a little bit different perspective. Like, I have a, I have a, I have a job, like most of you. And I want us to take a look at work a little bit differently today. So do this with me. If you think back to when you were kids, what's, what's one of the number one questions that you'd be asked as a kid? Yeah, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? And, and kids always have the best answers for this. Kids know at a young age what they want to be when they grow up. They're like, I want to be a policeman because I want to protect people. I want to be a doctor because I want to help people. I want to be a vet because I love animals. I want to be a teacher because I love animals. I mean, 
kids, sorry. Yeah. Um, but I, I have a full house of boys. Right? I, have, I, have, I have three boys. I have my Jude, my seven-year-old, who has had several different career aspirations. But right now, he wants to be an electrical engineer, which like, yeah, go for it. That sounds awesome, right? But he wants to be an electrical engineer because his best friend's dad is an electrical engineer. And when his friend's Nintendo broke, his dad was able to fix it for him. Right? <laughs> so he wants to do that. And, and Daniel, my three-year-old right now, right now he wants to be a digger man, which I'm not really sure what that is, but I'm sure he'll figure it out, right? And I, I wish it was like this, right? Kids, kids have so much confidence in their answers, right? They have so much confidence in what they want to be. They're like, I want to be this, so that's what I'm going to go do, right? And for me, I, I think the first thing I ever wanted to be was a fireman, Right? And then as I got a little bit older, I got into sports, and then I, re- then I was like, I'm going to be a professional baseball player. Well, and then I realized I, I wasn't really good at sports. I wasn't a big, big athlete. So then I just wanted to be a sportscaster, and I'd be walking around the house like, like Chris Berman, you know, like, whoop, right? And then I realized I, I, I wasn't very good at that. So, so growing up, right, we have all these, these ideas, these dreams, these goals, and, and for some of you, some of you, you did it, right? You, you found it. You did it. You, you, you found your calling. You're doing your dreams, and that's awesome. But for others, not so much. For others, life took a different direction, and, and maybe you feel, feel lost, or you have no idea what you're doing or why you're doing it. You're just trying to scrape by. You don't know what you're doing, and you think there, there must be something more than this. Like, there must be something bigger than this that I am called for. I must be here for something bigger than this. And it's hard because for, for, for many of us, like, we spend so much time at work. Michael mentioned last week that the average person spends about 90,000 hours in their lifetime at work, right? 90,000 hours. That's, that's a quarter of our lifetime. And so that comes with an immense amount of pressure, right? Pressure to, to do something that's worth it. Pressure to make those 90,000 hours count, to make it mean something. Paul, who's one of the greatest church planners ever and author of about half the books of the New Testament in the Bible, he wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus there. Now, some context here about this letter. So many of the Christians in, in Ephesus were, were new Christians, and they were struggling, right? They, they struggled early on in their faith, and, he, and they needed a lot of direction in their faith. Now, when Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians, Paul was actually in prison in Rome, which is not exactly an ideal scenario, right? But Paul wasn't, he wasn't in prison uh, for, for committing a crime or something that like we would think of today. Paul was in prison for preaching the gospel, for doing the one thing that, that God had called him to do. His calling is what landed him in prison. So you'd think, you'd think maybe, maybe Paul is like, uh, maybe I'm rethinking my life choices here. But no, you see, even in prison, Paul, he's writing to the Ephesians to try to demonstrate what a new life in Christ looks like. And here's what he says to them in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Well, like, what, what does that mean, to lead a life worthy of your calling? Like, this honestly makes me ask the question, like, what is a calling? Like, what, what is a calling? What does this mean? What are we supposed to do with our lives? So for me, 
After I realized I, I couldn't be a professional baseball player or I wasn't going to be a sportscaster, uh, I found it. I found it then. I found my calling. You see, I, I grew up in the church. Uh, I, my parents raised me in the church. I went to youth group every week. My, my, basically, my family's life like, revolved around the church. So at this point in my life, I'm getting ready for college. I'm applying to different colleges, and I have no clue what I want to do with my life. So my youth minister says, hey, I, I think you'd be a really good youth minister. I was like, okay, yeah, that, that, that sounds cool. Like, I, I see what you do. I like what you do. So, so I went to a Christian college, and then I decided to major in, in biblical studies with an emphasis in youth ministry. And the more that I dug into it, the more I realized, like, yeah, yeah, like, this is it. This is my calling. Like, I found it. I finally found my calling. I figured out what God wants me to do. I'm supposed to be in ministry. I'm called to ministry. So I graduated. I graduated college, and I became a youth minister in Florida. And for six and a half years, I lived that calling. And my calling, it, it paid me. My job was my calling. Then my calling shifted a little bit after that. My, Michael actually asked me and my wife to move back to Maryland to be a part of this awesome new church plant called Collective here in Frederick. And so we did. And so for about two years, I kept living out that calling and getting paid for it. And then life hit. Life hit really hard. You see, I, I had some, some issues in my life. I had some secrets in my life that were buried down deep. An addiction to pornography that I had brought into my marriage and into my ministry that escalated, and it escalated into multiple affairs. My wife and I got to share our story on Collective's Your Story Matters podcast, which, shout out, season two of that podcast is underway. I encourage you to go, go check that out. It's a really awesome podcast of people from Collective sharing their stories. But my story, it, it, it's messy. It's messy. And over the years, over the years, I tried, and I tried to get rid of my addiction. And when I couldn't get rid of it, I just tried to, to cover it up. And when I couldn't cover it up, I, I ended up just lying and manipulating all the people in my life that I love the most. The little bits and pieces would come out at times, and I'd think that I could manage it. But then in the fall of 2017, when Collective Church was just eight weeks old, the floodgates opened. And as I've come to know the hard way in my life, nothing in the dark stays in the dark. And as I had tried to hide more and more, an affair from my past came out, which led to me moving out of my house, leaving my wife and our one-year-old son, and it led to my resignation from Collective. I was, I was lost. I was alone. And all of a sudden, I, I was out of a family, and I was out of a job, too. But see, it, it wasn't just a job for me, right? See, this, this was my calling. This was the thing that I knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is what I was called to do. And I, I was great at it. I went to school for this. I busted my butt every single week in the church. I spent long hours preparing sermons, writing curriculum, leading conferences. And now I was finally, after years of work, in a place where I was going to get to be a part of a, a new church in a new city for lost and broken people where we knew, like we knew that God was going to use this church to do incredible things to make a difference in the city of Frederick. And I got to be a part of it. My job was going to make a huge difference. 
I was called to ministry. And now, because of sin, because of addiction, it was gone. And I was lost. And honestly, over the next several years, things got really, really hard. They were hard for a lot of reasons, working through recovery, getting into therapy and getting into support groups and working towards the restoration of my marriage. But there was an identity that I had. There was an identity that was now gone. See, for 12 years, I had wrapped up my identity and my calling in my job. My job had become my identity. See, I was a minister, like Chris Wells was a youth minister. But then all of a sudden, I wasn't anymore. And after applying for like 40 different jobs in and around Frederick and only getting an interview at UPS and music and arts and my dad's car dealership, I became a car salesman. And I, I, I struggled. Man, did I struggle. Because I, I felt like I had lost my purpose. I mean, think about it. Like as adults, when you meet someone new or you're talking to somebody that you barely know for one of the first times, like what's one of the easiest questions to ask? What's one of the easiest questions to ask? So uh, yeah, well, well, so what do you do? It's ingrained in us, right? Our job, our work, it becomes so much of who we are, of our identity. But this makes us ask the question, like is our job, is our work, is our career, is that our calling? Is that what defines our life's work? If work is good and if work is a gift from God, then is that it? No, it isn't. Your job is not your calling. Let me say that again, because I need you to understand this. And if you're taking notes today, like write this, make sure you write this down, right? Your job, your job is not your calling. And because your job is not your calling, you need to reframe how you see your calling from God. You need to reframe it and not link it to your career. So if your job, if your career and how you make a living is not your calling, then then what is? Let's go back to the verse that we read earlier in Ephesians. Paul is pleading with the Ephesians in, in verse one. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. See, we need to recognize that life is bigger than our careers. God has more for you than a career. Back to my story for a second. Leaving ministry honestly felt like I was leaving a part of my soul behind. But the reality for me was that ministry, ministry in my life had become a cover for me. And I I really, like, I hate saying that. Now, God definitely did some awesome things while I was working for churches, and I loved it. Like, I really did. I honestly loved it. I loved leading students. I loved preaching. I loved leading worship. I loved leading Bible studies and writing. I got to rub shoulders with some really incredible people, and great things happened. Like, I got to baptize a ton of students, and it was awesome. The problem was that I had some other crap going on in my life. And my job, my job of ministry became a mask to it all. It covered up all the other sin in my life. You see, I worked 
all the time. I had very little boundaries between my work life and my home life. And I became unhealthy, became really unhealthy. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you work incredibly long hours. Maybe things at home aren't great, so you sink yourself into your work. You spend the majority of your day at work, so, so this becomes the most important thing in your life, above your family, above your kids, above your friends, above your hobbies, if you even have time for those, certainly more than your faith. So for me, when, I, when all of a sudden my, my job was gone, when everything that I'd worked so hard for was gone, I had to figure out my purpose again. I had to figure out my calling again. And honestly, I didn't even know how to go about it. I didn't even know where to start. Like this seemed like an incredibly daunting task. And it certainly wasn't like a mental switch in my head where it was like, okay, well, I'm on a new path now, so I guess I gotta figure that out. It was incredibly hard and it felt impossible. Fast forward in my life, fast forward six years later, a lot of healing, a lot of therapy, a lot of reconnecting with God, independent from a job. And there's, there's now there's a new story being written. There's a new story being written in my life. There's, there's new purpose. Today, I'm almost four years into a new career. I work for Northrop Grumman in Sykesville. I actually just took on a new role as a project manager and my wife likes to joke that I just look at spreadsheets all day, which we both thought would never happen in my life. And honestly, like I'm, I'm now in a job that I never saw coming, but I, I love it. Like I love it. I, I think I love it though, because, because I've come to realize that my purpose, that my calling is bigger than my career. It's bigger than this job. See, here's the thing. Like I now know, I now know what Paul says is true. I am called. I am called, and I am to live a life worthy of that calling because I am called by God, and so are you. See, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are called. You are called. C.S. Lewis wrote a really great article. I encourage you to, to look it up and, and read the whole thing. It's entitled, Work, a Holy Calling. Listen to an excerpt of what he wrote. He said, he said this, whatever job you do, it is a holy calling, a sacred calling, a responsibility given to you by God to serve him there. He goes on to say, too often we think of our work, if we're not working specifically for the church, as being secular or second class, having nothing to do with true spirituality and little to do with being a faithful Christian. He says, we have a heritage in many churches which devalues ordinary work and sees it having little importance in the kingdom of God. Why is that? And he says this, he says, partly because there has been a retreat by Christians from the general culture. And I, and I agree with this. Like, I, I think that's true. I think in our society, in our culture, like we've separated everything. Right? We have our work life, we have our home life, we have our church life, we have our work friends, our, our neighborhood friends, our family, our work friends. And, and we've separated all of these and we really hesitate to blur the lines. But God doesn't call us to these separations. Like he's calling us in all areas of our life. You see, our calling, our calling is to live out our faith. Our calling is to live out our faith in everything that we do, and that includes our work. 
So how do we live out our faith at work? Like, how do we do this? How do we reflect Jesus? How do we reflect Christ in how we work? I want to give us a few thoughts this morning uh, on what this looks like, and then a few tools to how to practically make sure that we are working towards our calling. So the first thought I have for us today is, is how you work, how you work is a reflection of Jesus. Think about this. Does the way you worked reflect Jesus, right? Your ability, your ability to share Jesus with your coworkers is going to be directly related to how you engage with them and how you treat them at work. If you are not dependable or trustworthy at work, then why would they trust you with things that are even more important? I think about Paul. And if you don't know much about Paul, as I mentioned earlier, Paul is, is one of the authors of the New Testament. He wrote about half of what we know of the New Testament. And, and he was, he's also known as one of the world's greatest ever church planners, right? Paul went around traveling around the Mediterranean and started churches. And, and, and he started churches in these areas by, by preaching the good news of Jesus wherever he went. And then he would follow that up with writing these letters of encouragement back to these churches. So that's what makes up most of the New Testament, but did you also know that Paul had a real job? He had a real job, too. Paul was a tent maker. In Acts 18, the author Luke shares some details about Paul's life. In verse 1, he says, Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife, Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all the Jews from Rome. And then in verse 3, it says, Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers just as he was. You see, Paul knew the value of work. He had a trade. Paul worked to earn money so that he could create space to do his calling. I think that's awesome, right? Paul worked because he knew he needed to so that he could create space to do the thing that God called him to do. He needed to support the ministry that God had given him. And it's believed that Paul did this throughout his travels because he didn't want to be a burden on the communities that he visited. And I, I imagine how much more receptive those communities would have been because he was putting on work alongside the community. And I love this because I, I, I feel like I can relate to this now. I love my job. I love my job. But my job creates space for me to live out my calling, both at work and in the church. As I mentioned earlier, I'm a volunteer here at Collective, but this church, like this church, this is the reason that Maggie and I live in Frederick. We moved to Frederick specifically to help start Collective. And whether I'm on staff at church, that doesn't change our calling to the city of Frederick. Honestly, like I feel like now with my new job, like I feel this calling even more, even heavier. Like my job allows me the space to be able to be deeply involved here at the church. Maggie and I are able to serve, we're able to give more than we ever have before. In fact, we're, we're here most Sundays serving at Collective. And we love it. Like, we love serving here. We, we both lead the production team, which consists of the band and tech and media teams here at Collective, and, it, and it's awesome. 
We, we get to be here every single Thursday night to help create this space where people can come on Sundays and bump into Jesus, right? Every light, every slide, every word, every camera angle is checked. Every note of every song is played and practiced multiple times so that we make sure that we get it right for Sundays. It was just a side note. Can we shout out and give it up for the band and the tech team for just a minute? Like, they're awesome. Like, they're, they're here every single week making this thing happen. And I love leading this team. And I, I love doing this when I was on staff at Collective, but honestly, like, I work harder at it now as a volunteer because it, it's, it's honestly different for me now. Like, I know I work, hard to in, I work hard to invite, and my wife works hard to invite, and we know that a coworker of mine or of Maggie's could show up here on a Sunday and experience collective, and, and, and I want it to be an incredible experience for them. Not that they come in and love the lights and the music, but that those elements help them experience Jesus in a way that they never have before. And because I work hard here at Collective, I have to work hard at work to reflect Jesus. When I was a minister, it was pretty easy to reflect Christ, right? Like that, that was my job, right? I was supposed to do that. But now, like as a project manager, like I view this completely differently. I'm not like running around at work with a Bible, like thumping it on people's desks or anything like that. But I work hard. I work hard to allow my faith and my beliefs to influence how I carry myself at work. Last week, I actually got called into the office of like the number two at, the branch, at our branch in Sykesville. And, and it, it caught me off guard at first. I got an email at like noon and he was like, hey, come to my office at two o'clock. And I was like, oh, all right. Uh, I hadn't really interacted with, with him before, but in my new role, I fall under his team. So I wanted to, he wanted to get, a, get together for a chance to talk. And about 10 minutes into our conversation, he said, and, hey, I, I just want to let you know that I'm a man of faith too. And at first it kind of caught me off guard because I, I just wasn't expecting that while I was at work. But, but he was looking at my resume and he saw that I was in ministry for a long time. And we ended up having a really cool conversation about ministry and church planning and the start of collective. And he said that when he saw my resume, like he actually believed my experience was a big plus in him giving me this new opportunity. And that's evident in how I carry myself at work. And honestly, like, it was one of the best conversations I've had at my job. I've been at Northrop for almost four years now, and I've been working to invite some of my friends from work here. I invited some of them here today. Like, how you work, how you carry yourself at while you work is a reflection of Christ. The second thought I have for us today is, is you may not be able to talk about Jesus at work, but you can show Jesus. In some work environments, you aren't even allowed to talk about your faith openly, right? But that doesn't mean that you can't bring your faith with you. I think about my wife. My wife, Maggie, has been a fifth grade school teacher for 14 years. God bless her soul. Uh, like, I literally, like, you teachers, I, I could not do what you do. What I said earlier, animals, right? Like, I, I literally, I could not do what you do. Like, the, some of the stories that she comes home and, and shares, like, it would blow your mind, but she, she relies on her faith at work. 
As a teacher, she can't openly talk about her faith to her students, but it is her faith that influences every conversation that she has. It's her faith that brings her passion to her job. She shares the love of Jesus to her students by giving them endless second chances, maybe when other teachers might flip out. She creates a calm, nurturing environment because that's what will help her students grow. And all of this stems from the fact that she is trying to be Jesus to her kids. On the wall in Maggie's classroom, there's a, there's a mirror with, with a bunch of different affirmations written around it. And every week she has her students choose one affirmation to write in a journal because there's so much negativity in the world and in these students' lives. So, so she wants them to make a habit out of finding the things inside themselves that they can celebrate. And this is exactly what Jesus does for us, right? He calls us worthy. He calls us loved. He calls us children of God. And these students, like they get to experience Jesus without even knowing it. This is showing Jesus to her students and it definitely makes a difference. Think about it. Even if you aren't a Christian or if you're just checking out this whole Jesus thing, like you should want to bring your best self with you to work. Going off our verse from Ephesians, after Paul writes, live a life worthy of your calling, he says this in verse two. He says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Now, see, if you're a follower of Jesus, like if you're a follower of Jesus and this here, like this is the standard. This is the standard because we should be reflecting these things to the world around us. But whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, as, a, as an employee, as a coworker, you want your team or your boss to see these characteristics in you. The question for you to wrestle with today is, is what is driving you? What's driving you? What is driving what you do with your life? And how might God fit into this if you let him? Yeah, Jesus wants to come into your life. He wants to help you fulfill the calling that he has for your life. And if you're interested in seeing how Jesus fits into this whole thing and fits into your calling, fits into your life and your story, I wanna encourage you to, ch to check the baptism box on your connection card. The first step for you is baptism. Check that box to begin a conversation of what that might look for you, of letting Jesus into your life. And someone from our team will follow up with you this week. Now, I'll be honest, like doing this, doing this being a reflection of Jesus at work and showing Jesus to your peers, I like guess this is not easy. And some days, like I honestly would just rather not do it. In reality, like there's, there's days at work that just really suck, right? There's deadlines you have to hit or a really challenging customer, an overbearing boss, or maybe you didn't get the deal or maybe your company's talking about downsizing and you're like, what, what's the point? What's the point? This happens to me a lot. Like there are days where I just don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. And if I'm honest, like I know that there are days where I do not reflect Christ at work. Like particularly probably when I'm on the phone with, with vendors who just keep missing their delivery dates to us. But it's in those moments where I need to remind myself that I represent something far bigger than myself. All right, let's get practical for a minute. Like, how can we do this? How do we do this? What are some tangible ways that we can help ourselves be a reflection of Jesus and live out our faith at work? Like, in those difficult moments, which we all have, 
What are some tools that we can use to center ourselves and remind ourselves of why we do what we do? The first one, it might sound like an easy one, but man, sometimes it's hard. Start your day in the Bible. Start your day in the Bible. And this is a challenge to myself. Like if, if you've been here for a couple weeks or been here for a while, we collective, we just finished the 35 challenge, right? The 35 series. There's a 35-day challenge where we incorporate, try to incorporate all these different habits into our lives to teach us new rhythms, right? And, and, and for me, uh, like daily Bible reading was a part of it. And the, the days where I exercised or I read my Bible in the morning, I had a much better day. Like if I just tried to cram it in at the end of my day, it, it, honestly, it, it didn't mean as much. It didn't help me create a new rhythm in my life. But if I did it in the morning, I had a much better day and it carried me into my day at work. Proverbs 16, three says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. See, bringing God into the beginning of your day, it, it changes the entire outlook of your day, of how you view yourself of how you interact with other people and how you treat people, how you respond to negativity, all of it. It changes all of it. So, If you need a place to start, start in the Gospels. Maybe you've never done this before. Maybe you've never read through the whole Bible before. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Download the YouVersion app on your phone. It's an incredible Bible app. There's awesome plans that you can do either by yourself or with other people to teach you how to read the Bible. Or if you want a paper version, if you're old school like that, go, go to the Next Steps wall in the lobby and we'll hook you up. We'll help you get a Bible. Start your day in the Bible. The second tool for us is this, pause. Pause. A few years ago, I learned about an app called Pause. And you definitely don't need an app to do this, but, but I, I like resources. I like tools to be able to help me stay committed and stay on track to what I am committing to doing. And this app called Pause, like it's legit. Like I've, I've heard of other apps that help you with breathing exercises and meditating, but I like this one because it's based on God and centering yourself with him. And again, this is something that I don't take advantage of enough, but when I need to, it's awesome. And I, I can take a one minute pause. Throughout my day, I'll take this app and I'll turn it on and I'll put my headphones in, I'll close my eyes and I'll just take a pause and breathe. In doing this, it allows me to center myself with God. See, for you, in, in, in stressful moments, before a big meeting, before a presentation, before a deadline, before a test, before your students come in, during your lunch break, just pause. Pause. When I first started doing this, it, honestly, it felt kind of weird. But the more I did it, the more I realized how good of an effect it had on my attitude and my temperament throughout my day. Take time throughout your day to center yourself with Jesus and pause. Download the app. It's legit, I promise. The last thing is this. Find ways to encourage your coworkers. In my job, I've had the opportunity to lead some really great teams. I have some really strong people on my teams that I've gotten to work with. But sometimes, like, like we all do, people just have bad days. And sometimes people are just struggling. And in these instances, I do my best to listen and encourage my coworkers. I've had more than a few conversations with my coworkers over the years when they are struggling. And in those moments, I do my best to give them encouragement, which has led to other really cool conversations in which people have opened up. 
And whether you're a boss, a team lead, or an employee, being a source of encouragement gives you even more opportunities to live out your faith and to show Jesus to those around you. See, each of these simple, practical steps, like they can make a huge difference in the person that you are and the version of yourself that you bring with you to work every day. Start your day off right. Start it in the Bible. Pause. Take time to center yourself with God and encourage those around you. Show your coworkers Jesus by the way that you treat them. And doing these things, doing these things will, will help you actively live out your faith at work. Now, I won't lie. I won't lie to you. Like, there are, there are days, there are times where I really miss being in ministry, where I really miss working in the church. I mean, it's what I went to school for, and it's what I did for almost 12 years of my life, and it was awesome. But really, like, what I've come to realize now it's like, I'm, I'm still in ministry. I'm still living out my calling every single day. Really, if I'm honest, like now, like I feel like I understand my calling so much more now. Like every day, every day at work, I get the opportunity to interact with and be around lost and broken people who need Jesus. And every day I pray for opportunities to be able to live out my calling. In another one of his letters, Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, and again, he, he's working to encourage the church there, and he says this in chapter 1, verse 6. He says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. We, we, all, we all have good work to do. No matter where you are, no matter what job you have, no matter what you do, we have the opportunity, you have the opportunity to live out the calling that God has given to you to live out your faith at work. So live a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have just to, just to be together this morning be encouraged, to be in community together. God, thank you for the opportunities that you've given us. Like you, you continually invite us to be a part of your story. Like you want us, God, to continue making something great out of this creation story, out of the world. And we have the opportunity to do that each and every day through our work. Work is hard, God works hard sometimes. And sometimes, like, if we're honest, we know that we just don't feel that we're, that we're doing something that means something. So, God, in those moments, like, help us to recognize that we are called by you. And no matter where we are, no matter what we do, you have called us, called us to live out our faith there by serving you, by showing people you. Every day, God, we have the opportunity to reflect you to the world around us, and every day, we have the choice. We have the choice of allowing you to impact the workplace by bringing you with us there. God, give us boldness, give us courage to show our coworkers you by the way we work each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.